the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Friday, May the 28th, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1863, the 54th Massachusetts Volunteer Infantry Regiment. They were made up of freed blacks. They left Boston to fight for the Union, the Civil War. Today in 1912, the Senate Commerce Committee issued its report on the Titanic. Disaster, they called it. They also said in their report, quote, There was a state of absolute unpreparedness, improperly tested safety equipment, and I'm continuing to quote from the, <laughs> from the report, an indifference to danger as some of the causes of the unnecessary tragedy. Well, I think they were overstating the obvious, but that's how they concluded the disaster of the sinking of the Titanic. Today, 1929, the first all-color talking picture on the show. It was produced by Warner Brothers. It opened in New York. People couldn't believe it had a movie that was colored. Talking picture. Today, 1937, Neville Chamberlain, he became Prime Minister of Britain. Neville did... I suppose, some good things. I've read quite a bit about his life. The one thing that everybody remembers him for is the fact that he believed in appeasement until he didn't believe in it. But he met with uh, Benito Mussolini and he met with Hitler and all, and he was trying to appease them and kind of go along to get along. That wasn't a good plan in leadership then, and it isn't now because it isn't leadership. And he sort of became branded as the guy who tried to appease Hitler. That did not work out well for Germany or for Neville. Today, 1959, the U.S. Army launched Abel, uh, a rhesus monkey, and Baker, a squirrel monkey, aboard a Jupiter missile for a suborbital flight, which both primates survived. I guess they wanted to put something living up in space and see what happened to them. Boy, if they tried that now, wouldn't PETA lose it and others? Maybe there was objections to it back in 1959. I was not, in 1959, I was not very focused on rhesus monkeys and baker squirrel monkeys in a Jupiter missile. So I don't know if there was pushback or not. I suppose there was. Today, 1987, the Soviet officials were humiliated. When uh, Matthias Russ, he's a young West German pilot, he landed a private plane in Moscow's Red Square without authorization. This, the Soviet Union always prided themselves, uh, the communists, in you know this, their security and they have everything locked down and so on. Well, they didn't have this guy locked down and they didn't even know he was coming. None of their surveillance picked it up. So he flies in and he lands. I, I remember this well. He f- flies in and he lands in Red Square without authorization. It was so humiliating that they 
held him until the following year. But he, I mean, he hadn't done anything wrong other than the one big wrong thing, landing his plane in Red Square. He didn't hurt anybody. He wasn't trying to create any kind of violence or anything. He was just doing it because he could, I guess. But that did not play well with the uh, Soviets. So they kept him till they their bruised egos recovered, and then they let him go. Ten years ago today, North Korea freed Eddie Young. He's an American. They had held him for about six months. The charge was proselytizing. Eddie was a Christian. He shared his testimony of Jesus Christ with someone in North Korea, and they arrested him. Does that sound vaguely familiar? Have we seen anything like that on the horizon in other countries like Canada that I spoke about a couple of weeks ago? Five years ago today, a three-year-old boy fell into a gorilla enclosure in the Cincinnati Zoo. You'll remember this. He was rescued by a team that shot to death a 400-pound gorilla named uh Harami, I think that's how you pronounce it. I think it's Harami. But anyway, this 400-pound gorilla, when the little boy fell in there, into this enclosure, the the uh, gorilla obviously was very interested, came over, picked up the little boy, and was swinging him around, three years old, was swinging him around. All this was on, on video. I mean, we saw it again and again in the news. And how the little boy survived it is is beyond me. I don't know, but he did. And um, I don't even think he was injured terribly, but this gorilla would swing him around and then run with this little boy and he, just in his fist. He could easily, I mean, it was like not even uh, stressful for the gorilla to lift this kid. And he was running around in that cage and whipping that kid around and throwing him and dragging him through the water. So they shoot the gorilla and of all things, <laughs> save the boy's life. And mourning and criticism broke out around the globe. They would have preferred they saved the gorilla and let the little boy die. I'm not kidding you. That was five years ago today. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. What are his benefits? Well, there are many. I think we know that. But the psalmist lists some of them. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. What are the benefits of blessing the Lord, O my soul? Forgiveness of sin healing of all thy diseases, redemption from destruction, and being crowned by by the Lord with loving kindness and tender mercies. I want to tell you, if you're not a Christian, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, why are you not doing that? There is no better life on this earth than eternity. Well, it's the only life. I mean, there is a real hell, and people are going to go there, not because God sends them there, 
because they send themselves there by rejecting Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life, as the only way to God. And I know that's what biblical preachers say, but they say it because it's true. We, you may go to church, you may be involved in church, you may be a member, you may have your family may have been in the church for generations, and that's that's fine, that's good. But I will tell you that it all comes down to a personal relationship with God. And maybe you're listening today, and we're going to talk about what's going on in the culture right now in just a moment. But let me just pause to encourage you, if you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, the Bible says that is the way to have that personal relationship with God. There is no other way. So be all of the church and all of the, the good things that a person can do, and I'm sure many of you do a lot of good things, but if you haven't made that decision to accept Christ, that's a decision that ultimately will have eternal consequences. And I would encourage you to just, just pray as Romans 10, 9, and 10 says. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God, that he was crucified on a cross, he rose from the dead. Gary, I believe that. Then confess with your mouth to the Lord that he is your Savior. Ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins and heal you from the disease of sin and, and guilt and all of those things. He'll set you free. And if you haven't done that, I would encourage you to make that decision today. And just, it seems terribly simple, and it is. Paul said, the Apostle Paul said, people stumble over the simplicity of the gospel. Don't stumble over the simplicity of the gospel. Just accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and see how your life begins to change and see how your life begins to experience the benefits of Almighty God living in you through his son, Jesus Christ. So I would encourage you to do that. And if you make that decision, just let me know. I will, will remember you in prayer, particularly and specifically, as you start your personal walk with the Lord. I'm not going to announce it to anybody, but I'll, I'll know and I'll pray. Just let me know. I just didn't plan to say that, but I just felt prompted to do so. It may have been just for you. It probably was if you needed to hear that. So bow your head and do what you know is right. Accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Everett, as most of us know, it's a suburb of Seattle. I wrote an article this morning about it. Suburb of Seattle, Washington, recently cracked down on pro-life protesters, telling them they couldn't do it any longer at this point. Planned Parenthood clinic in the city. That doesn't surprise me. Every little town and city and major city, mega city from New York to, you know, to whatever, to Mapton. Uh, I mean, every town that has a Planned Parenthood seems that the elected officials are, it's all, they're almost like the parents of Planned Parenthood. I mean, they're just looking out for them uh, on, with, you know, just always, all the time. But at the same time, the Everett City officials were embracing mass gatherings for left-wing protesters associated with Black Lives Matter and Antifa groups. 
Why do BLM and Antifa have constitutional rights, but the pro-life people don't have them? Why is that? Well, I'm not the only one that's asking. I wanted to tell you about this. It happened in Everett because it's happening more and more across the country. Everett is a city, those of you who live in Seattle certainly know, it's about 100,000 people. It's about, what is it, 20 or 25 miles north of Seattle? I mean, it, it all kind of runs together. But city leaders have celebrated and embraced the protests of Black Lives Matter, just like Seattle, like Summer of Love last summer and all that kind of thing on CHOP, Chaz, there on Capitol Hill. But Antifa also has been a part of their praise and their just, they seem to be, you know, just, I don't know, just lost in the moment as they allow these people to do whatever they want to do. And that's been going on for more than a year now. Well, it's freedom of speech, they say. How many times has Jenny Durkin said that? And others. First Amendment rights. Well, yeah, we believe in that. People have died and lost their lives, given their lives, fighting for freedom of speech and First Amendment rights. They're God-given, supposed to be government-protected. That's supposed to be the job of the government, not all this other stuff that they do. But when people of faith who believe in the sanctity of life, in that life was created by God himself, when they came to the Planned Parenthood abortion clinic to protest unwanted killing of unborn children, freedom of speech, First Amendment rights, they all evaporated. Oh, no, you can't have that kind of freedom of speech and that kind of First Amendment rights. No, no, no. No, you can't do that. And I'm going to tell you why they said you can't do that. So the city issued this ban on sidewalk protests in front of the Planned Parenthood clinic in Everett after a confrontation between pro-abortion and pro-life protesters. Now, to all of the pro-life people, I am 110% on your side. But we ought not to be, if we can help it, and I would have to restrain myself, I'll be honest with you. But if we can help it, we ought not to allow ourselves to get into confrontations with the pro-life or pro-abortion people because they are living in darkness. They do not understand the truth and the life who is personified Jesus Christ. But anyway, the pro-life group and their lawyers then argued that the city gave preferential treatment to the pro-abortion demonstrators. Well, they did by forcing the pro-life advocates to move further away from the abortion clinic. They said to the pro-life people, to us, they said, yeah, you have freedom of speech, but you need to go do it down the block there somewhere because we don't want you to intrude on the freedoms of the women that are coming here to have their babies aborted because they don't want them. I mean, that's what they were saying. Everett's deputy city attorney said the city implemented, after the fact, implemented reasonable crowd control measures <clears throat> to protect public safety after protesters from pro-life and pro-choice groups had a physical altercation. Well, I've looked at some of the video of it. It, it. it was a little bit physical. But, I mean, when you look at it through the lens of what they're allowing, even celebrating in the streets all across America and here in the Northwest and Seattle and Everett, it's pretty pathetic. But that's what they said. 
But why doesn't the city feel it's necessary to implement reasonable crowd control when BLM and Antifa and these guys are marching and breaking and looting and burning flags and, I mean, spitting on police? I mean, why the double standard? I think we know the reason for that. But anyway, there was a reversal in Everett. The reversal of the need to implement reasonable crowd control, ha-ha, it came only after Thomas More Society. It's a religious law firm. There are several. There are many, in fact, growing up around the United States, thank the Lord. But this, um, anyway, this Thomas More Society, they threatened to take legal action on the First Amendment rights of the pro-life sidewalk counselors because that's what they were doing. They were counseling women. God bless them. Thomas More's Matt Heffron, he said, in the end, the city did the right thing by reversing their decision. It just takes some legal pressure at times. Well, that's true. Sometimes it does because they don't understand the sanctity of life, so they need to get a little pressure from the legal side, and they did. But the city sees it differently. They said, no, 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 it wasn't the legal pressure at all. And this is where it's such hypocrisy. It was all about the legal pressure that they received. But this guy at Everett, he's now saying, he said, after no additional events arose for over a month, meaning the little bit of altercation there, he said the city has elected to remove the restrictions. That sounds like Governor Inslee and COVID or Kate Brown and COVID or something. Like, we're in charge, we issue the rights to people, and we've decided that we're going to give these Christians back their rights to express themselves on the sidewalk, because they've been good. That's what he's saying, because that's what they think. And that's the problem that we have in our culture today. Oh, the arrogance. They think, I think they get to a point where they almost think they're God sometimes in these roles. I don't know their heart, God does, but they act like they believe that they are sort of the owner, the dispenser of the rights that we're supposed to have under our Constitution that are God-given rights that the government is put in place, and the Bible teaches this, and we have practiced that in this nation since its founding that we put in place to protect those God-given rights, not to disown them and dispense them as they see fit. But that's what's been happening. And that's what Everett was trying to do, except this Christian law firm called them out and said, oh, no, you don't. You're not going to do that. They were reading the tea leaves. There's no question about that. This wasn't because the Christians were good for a 30-day period. I mean... Man, that bothers me. I got to tell you, I'm glad I'm not out on the sidewalk right now, locked up in this studio. But by walking back the ban, the city of Everett avoided a court battle that they very well may have lost, and they know it. In 2014, the Supreme Court unanimously struck down on free speech grounds a Massachusetts law that created a 35-foot exclusionary zone outside of an abortion clinic. Same deal. This has been, what, seven years ago now. Thomas More Society attorneys also represented the case, and they say Everett police officers for the city had disproportionately enforced the ordinance. The police had moved the pro-life demonstrators far down the street while allowing pro-abortion crowd to gather directly across from the clinic. They said in a letter on May 11th, 
banishing the pro-life side to the far corners of the street while allowing the pro-abortion protesters to remain near the clinic is strong evidence of a viewpoint discrimination. A viewpoint discrimination is a legal matter. What that does and what they were referring to, it renders the buffer zone or whatever they want to call it, this safety zone that they create for Planned Parenthood to do their, their evil work. It was all the more obviously unconstitutional. A similar situation happened in Spokane, Washington. Had a different outcome, I think. I wasn't able to find out if they followed up on this or not, but I'll mention it. Last year, a Planned Parenthood operation brought their grievances with the pro-life protesters to the state, claiming their actions are not protected by the First Amendment. The state Superior Court judge in Washington ruled on the side of the Planned Parenthood and granted a preliminary injunction against a pro-life group. And some of you listening in Spokane or the Spokane area, you might bring me up to speed on this. I don't know where that is today, but I do know that Planned Parenthood said that the demonstrators were creating an environment at the time that could leave a negative impact on their patients. And they experienced an increased risk of hypertension, increased pain, and a variety of psychiatric symptoms these women that were coming in for an abortion as a result of the Christians out there trying to talk them out of getting an abortion. That's reversal. All of these and and more, these kinds of um, negative psychological experiences that these people are having are not from the Christians. It's from the act of abortion. That runs so contrary to life itself that runs so contrary to everything, everything that our our whole DNA, we are created to honor life, not destroy life systematically because it's convenient. Mankind was not created to do that. War is a different matter and there is just cause for war. And that's a whole other topic that I could talk about endlessly. I feel very strongly about that, but... I feel it's biblical, but this isn't that. This is, it's a method of birth control. These people are going to these clinics and Planned Parenthood has thrived for years, but now the Christians are starting to take a stand. I mean, in meaningful and effective ways. They're starting to do stuff that really bites. And that's what we have to do. We have to stand up for Jesus. We have to be soldiers of the cross. We've kind of forgotten that whole part of Christianity. We're so we're so absorbed today, so many of us, in being hip and being acceptable and being part of the crowd and being, yeah, yeah, we're, you know, we're at Rotary. We're just like the guy that owns the car dealership up the street. And all. I mean, that's fine, but it's not working because the gospel is confrontive to an to a culture that is going to hell in a handbasket and trying to take everyone with them. And that's the problem that we have in our country today. That's the problem we have with this president. He's playing their tune. And he's playing it with all of his might, which isn't too much, thankfully, but he's getting his job done. He's moving this country to the edge of destruction. On many fronts, this is certainly one of them. The Biden administration and the people who are associated with him and warming their hands around his fire as it flickers 
I don't think he'll finish four years. I, I don't see how he's going to do it. I, I really don't. I don't even think he plans to finish four years. He's going to hand off the torch, such as it is, to Kamala Harris. She becomes the first black Asian slash whatever president in the United States, woman president in the United States, and they celebrate that for a couple of years. They think she can run and be reelected. I don't think so. I don't think Joe Biden was elected, but he got it anyway. But that's, again, a different matter. But it Christians are beginning to take a stand today. I'm not saying be militant. I'm not saying be confrontational. Don't have altercations. But I'm saying take a stand. Do what we can do. I believe God would require that. And I know there's millions of so-called evangelical Christians out there that are very passive toward any stand in the culture. They say, well, we just want to get along with everyone and just win them to Jesus. You're not winning them to Jesus. What you're doing is giving Planned Parenthood a free pass and the LGBTQ community a free pass while they destroy the very plan of God himself. And they destroy all of the lives that touch their agenda. You're not winning them to Jesus. You're not advancing the kingdom of God one bit by not taking a stand. And I, I have friends who embrace this religious left thing. I mean, I don't even know how they could put all that together in their head. I've been preaching since I was a young man, as a pastor, as an evangelist, in, on the mission field, whatever, as a youth pastor. I've seen a lot in the six or eight years that I've been now, in the years I've been around. I mean, I trust me, that's not winning the world. If you don't present the gospel of Jesus Christ, they're not going to be changed. The world is not going to be changed. And, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is often offensive. It's not like, oh, man, hey, we're all a club. No, you're not part of the club. Paul was never a part of the club. Peter and John and James and all those guys, they weren't part of the club. In fact, they got, they got martyred. And I don't wish that for anybody, but they weren't part of the club. They weren't president of the service club in Jerusalem or elsewhere because they preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they transformed the world. And here we are, 2,000 years later, following Jesus Christ because they were faithful in their generation. And I think Christians are becoming faithful in our generation as well and beginning to stand up, preach the gospel, tell people there is a solution to all the problems, but identify the problems and identify what the consequences of those problems are. And that's what we need to be doing. Oh, I have so much more to say today, and um, I'm running out of time. So we'll put that aside. You can go to faithandfreedom.us and read more about this particular case and other cases that I have mentioned this morning. There's much more there and there's resource material. And if you know someone or you yourself have considered an abortion, I don't want you to feel, I don't want you to feel condemned over it, but I would encourage you and, and extol you to reconsider it. And in our article today at faithandfreedom.us, there is a lot of source material there. I've linked to uh, Physicians for Life. I've linked to um, Focus on the Family. has a great, great uh, research article on it. All of their work is sourced. Uh, National Right to Life and others. There's a lot of material there. So go to faithandfreedom.us. That's our website, and you can see it there. 
Also, thank you for your support. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. And thanks for being here today. I'll be here live on Monday. I'll see you then.